0: previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: So they do not have, according to the judge, and I have to agree with this, what's called irreparable injury. The judge hasn't ruled on the merits of their claim, but the merits of their claim has as many problems as we talked about before. Again, even for an antitrust violation, you have to show economic injury. Well, as everybody keeps saying, how do you have economic injury when you're being paid three times as much to paying for live? So the judge yesterday basically said, we're not going to live and let live.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's a good line, Abby.
0: The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now.
2: Surprise me, because he's usually going for the Yankee jokes. <laughs> you know, he usually makes Yankee jokes that I don't think are that funny. But live and let live was a pretty funny line. It, uh, we're going to have Sands on today. We're going to actually talk about this again. Not only are we going to talk about um, the Saudi tour And what's going on with Tiger Woods having meetings in Wilmington, Delaware,
1: I believe. The the private plane went up there yesterday with Ricky. Yeah,
2: Yeah. so we're going to talk about that and... Patrick Reed has filed a $750 Careful, million, million dollar lawsuit. <laughs> just Patrick Reed the, that's a, yeah. uh, against yeah. Brandall Chambly and the Golf Channel. Yes. Is Sans going to be able to talk about that? Because isn't he an employee of the Golf Channel? I,
1: yeah. I would probably stay away from that. Yeah. No, I'm not staying away from it. <laughs> $750 million? Dollars? Out pertinent information about alleged cheating incidents. Unbelievable. Which may or may not be on yeah. tape. There, a-
2: there is. There is zero chance <laughs> that Patrick Reed can win that lawsuit.
1: Zero chance. He's a public figure. There's zero chance. Yeah. Zero. So if you're running the the live tour, aren't you saying, "Come on, Patty, let's just calm down a little bit." Our name's been uh, thrown so around lately. So crazy, um, Michael. Tell the people what you got. Tell this
2: <laughs> a, a lovely gift. For not just you, in fact, not even you.
1: This is for the children. For Right. For so Bootsy the Hammer and the Captain. Before I get to Rick Red, I can't believe that I choose to leave the show for a couple days and you start going down the rabbit hole, the BK Lounge, and you don't even mention the, uh, the Tender Crisp uh, Bacon Cheddar Ranch. No, I,
2: I mean, no, the Burger King. Um, tender
1: Crisp Bacon Cheddar Ranch. We're
2: going to we're <laughs>
1: dwell on Burger King later. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Because I
2: got a lot of people telling me I got hosed. Yeah. A lot of people telling I, me that. What yeah. did you get?
1: I also just had memories of going to that very same Connecticut that's the one yeah, case, that's the burger it's the only would, one around, where you would yeah. where you would leverage my kids soda cup and get orange soda which you never soda. wanted love orange soda and you would just sit there at the uh, at the soda fountain refilling it time and time again for, your, for an adult beverage <laughs> time and time again so this is the Big Mouth Billy Bass which was sent to us from Rick Wright Tony on the 726 In podcast he mentioned some lyric from Take Me to the River uh, But so he says I had to send you uh, the Big Mouth Billy Bass for your grandkids we have one on the wall of our dining room uh, in Ocean City, and uh, they were in the process of replacing it. They had this extra one sent, and it works.
2: So that's wonderful. So if, you
1: can give that to the kids. If only there was some wall space yeah, where I, think, I could uh, where I could hang this up for I, you.
2: I think you've got not. It's for you. No, it's, no,
1: this is for the grandkids. <laughs> yeah, so they can come visit.
2: Uh, okay, well, we have some wall space. <laughs>
1: we'll see. Anyway,
2: it's very very nice, right? There's a, a whole lot of the letters are wonderful. Yes, he, he goes on and on in the letters, and they are absolutely wonderful. I'm grateful for that. Um, and he talks about the television show Billions, and he quotes Billions. Instructions of as money. to
1: not to leave the on, button on. Yeah, don't leave the on, button. <laughs> That's on. That's
2: important. Uh, yes. There were two things I wanted to talk about at the top of the show. One was a commercial that I saw that I think was a Gatorade commercial. I'm not exactly sure, but it's a then and now commercial. It has footage of three athletes in particular a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, something like that. Before they were as big a group of stars as they are now. One of the athletes is Carl Anthony Towns, who plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves, is coached by Nathan Bubis. I thought I would bring that up. I have no issue with Carl Anthony Towns in this commercial. The other two are Paige Beckers, who, by the way, as a college kid, can now make money on name, image, and likeness. Yes. She's a she was the player of the year at UConn. And Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't know why you're running this commercial. Paige Beckers is out for the year. She's got a torn ACL. This happened about a month ago, maybe less than a month ago. Fernando Tatis is out for the rest of this season and the first half of next season almost because he cheated. I understand he was treating ringworm. Nobody believes that for a second other than his dad. Nobody believes that. If I if I commission this commercial i don 't run it, I mean because Michael remember I called you. I said, How can they put this on the air now
1: so when you you did call me about this there was a there was a smaller company 's commercial running during the FedEx Cup playoffs this past weekend, and they they were highlighting a current live player who had a who had a patch on his shirt. That company 's no longer involved with said player, but I was just thinking about. How long, you know, how far in advance are you creating these campaigns? And depending on the size of your company, this financial institution, I don't think was the same scope of Gatorade. Do you think Gatorade could immediately say, we're taking a stop now, particularly if the campaign is a before and after? (laughs) And the the association is, how has Gatorade been involved with your after or your current? You can't do it. This is different than the other two examples you have there, but for something that's... Built around competition, health no. and wellness? yeah,
3: you can't. That's just a black eye right there. You
2: can't I have don't. it. I, it's, it's unfathomable to me that I even saw it once. Yeah. Because if I own that company and I look at this, I go, whoa, whoa. I get on the phone in five seconds <laughs> yeah. and heads get lopped off. I say, we're not running this. Tatis just got bounced for 80 games as a yeah. drug cheat. We're not glorifying this guy. Yeah. Not gonna do so it. Even if Paige your- Becker's is
1: out for the whole year. Well that story's that sort of angle is different. But even if you have that campaign as what you want to highlight for this, you know, quarter for this season, you'd stay, we still have a placeholder we can put in until we have until we bring in Braun film and video to update this. Recut it. Yeah. With what, what, it.
3: Victor Robles, right? He would replace Tatis. I got one other Make thing. Make the kids happy. <laughs>
2: Oh, by the way, and you're probably wondering, what is today? Today's Wednesday. Well, what happened to Monday and two? I told you summer schedule. Summer schedule. I told you we're going to do three this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll do at least Monday next week. I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm here and I'm there. You know, I was at the beach for a few days. I'm here and I'm there. But I want to get to this. I, um, I like ice cream, but I only like a couple of flavors of ice cream. And I only like a couple of brands of ice cream. You like coffee and what Coffee else? and Chocolate.
3: Coffee
1: and chocolate. And, and min-
2: variations. Hm? Mint chip? Hmm? Min- chip. No, I'm not crazy about mint chip. Chocolate chip, yeah. No, the green mint chip's okay.
1: But Cook- generally, you don't, like, you don't like flavors mixing. Yeah. No,
2: I don't like any of Ben and Jerry's things yeah, because no they're, they're all... No, nothing. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want you to take pot roast and put it in <laughs> strawberry ice cream and give it a funny name. I don't want that. I wonder how your cousin Marilyn feels about this. <laughs> yeah, because she mixes everything. I mean, she she gets eight different flavors of ice cream layered one on top of the other and then turns them over and mushes them she it's awful the way she eats ice cream. can't be near her when she now, eats do you ice have cream.
1: such strong feelings about the texture of ice cream does it still have to be in its original form or do you like it as it softens and then maybe
2: no melts? i like it very cold very cold and hard but i mean you know it's let, let me just let me just continue with this narrative because at my age if i lose the thread <laughs> it's gone i'm really done <laughs> So I don't know how many national brands there are anymore. I understand that uh, Baskin-Robbins is a national brand, and other than their coffee, which they don't make anymore, I, I don't really like them. Haagen-Dazs I like. I think Haagen-Dazs is good. Um, ben & Jerry's is not for me. Um, what's the, It's not seal test. What's the... the Briars. Briars. Breyers is too light for me. It doesn't have... Their flavors aren't earthy enough for me. Can't They're fun. very, very light. Yeah, I don't really like Briars. We, there's a store out in Delaware, Fresh Market, they make their own. Eh, I don't really like it. It's somewhat like Briars. It's very light. It doesn't mean much to me. But I was out in Delaware about a month ago, and I opened the freezer to my own house. And you never know how, who has access to your freezer, but somebody in my family had access to my freezer, and at one point it might have been my son, and at one point it might have been my daughter. And there was an ice cream in there that I'd never heard of called Tillamook. T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K. You're nodding, you know?
3: Yeah, no, I've seen that. Tillamook. Also, don't they do cheese? I I don't
2: know. You
1: see it as like the rustic cut for cheese.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tillamook, I looked at it. It was vanilla bean Tillamook. I don't particularly like vanilla. Don't hate vanilla. Don't particularly like vanilla. Started to eat it. It was pretty good. It was thick. It was creamy. I read the label. It's made in Oregon. For all I know, it's in the Willamette Valley. Damn it! (laughs) Uh, For all I know, I don't know. It's made in Oregon, and they brag about the fact that they don't use whatever GMOs are. They don't use GMOs. They make it with extra cream. They, you know, they have specially trained farmers who know what they're doing. It, you know, it, it, it it is. How can I say this? It's sort of like the Subaru of ice creams, and they're, they're appealing to your snobbery your particular snobbery. But again, and I don't like vanilla. I found myself returning time and again to Tillamook vanilla bean. And then I did something that I never do. I consulted the internet. (laughs) I went to Safari. I typed in Tillamook. Mm -hmm. And I got back some stuff where there were different people. I don't know who they are. They could be anybody. Mr. Tillamook. Yeah, Jimmy. Could be anybody who was uh, Jimmy Botts, for example. (laughs) He could have done this. They rated all the Tillamook flavors. There were 28 flavors in all. 28 flavors, if I have this. It reminds me, maybe maybe I'm confusing them with Howard Johnson's, which was an ice cream I liked very, very much, but isn't made anymore. Nothing that, when I was a kid, is made anymore. Studebakers aren't made anymore. Pontiacs aren't made anymore. Anyway, they had a, at least 20 flavors in Tillamook. And they rated them from 28 to 1, 1 being the best. At number 2, they had a coffee swirl thing with chips in it. Now, I'm really a coffee purist. Yeah. But I said to myself, I'll try this. It was number 2. Number 1... Hands down, best flavor Tillamook ice cream, best flavor was, in, in this guy's ratings, Tillamook mudslide, and it's chocolate, and it's got some stuff, and it's got some chips, and it's, but it's, it's a deep chocolate. Well, I thought to myself, I don't know where this Tillamook thing is, but it's only about five minutes to the fresh market. Now let me go over there and see if they've got Tillamook. And lo and behold, they had Tillamook mudslide. Yeah, there you go. Tillamook mudslide. I brought it home to the house in Delaware. I dented. I don't know how I did this. I dented the packaging. The packaging, it's not as sturdy as you think packaging is going to be for ice cream. It's not it,
1: like a tub of ice
2: cream. It's more like a pint. Yeah, a little bit bigger than a pint, I think. But, but I dented it. And I thought, oh, What's this? What, what, what is your paper products that it's so easily dentable? Why don't you have iron filings in it like haagen has, <laughs> where you can smash them and nothing happens? <laughs> anyway, I started to eat it, and it was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't great, but it was good. And I the only reason I'm doing this is to find out from Michael, you, you've, did your Liz or did your sister Liz buy that Tillamook vanilla bean and are you familiar with Tillamook? And am I, is Tillamook nationwide, and am I crazy?
1: Definitely nationwide. I didn't know this. I, I would say it's more of a boutique brand versus this, the grocery brands that you'd see. Uh, it was, it was expensive,
2: it, but you know, everything at Fresh Market is expensive. But it was expensive, but so you're not. it was not store. outrageous. It was not like $9 or $10. It was ice not cream. outrageous. Ice
1: cream these days is a luxury item. You can afford the ice cream. I'm just surprised you were willing to try the ice cream with the stuff in it. Yeah. yeah now that well, it's chocolate stuff. Did it inhibit your ability to eat it? Because obviously this is not, there's no scoop. This is straight out the tub.
2: That's how I eat. I stand up over the sink. I have a spoon in my hand.
1: Glass of I got vino. the
2: Tillamook in my other hand and I'm... Going to town Yeah, I'm eating this stuff
1: (laughs) I probably If it's vanilla And by the
2: way It gets soft quickly Because of all the cream One of us
1: bought it For a It it could be all the way back To Little Hen Ben's Second birthday Okay Which is over a year old uh, but it probably was oh, it tasted good. for maybe like a holiday pie. And if it's been in there that long, I'm surprised Soliza didn't find it when he was <laughs> sniffing around the freezer. It tasted good, <laughs> Tillamook. So you've heard? Yeah, I've heard the brand.
2: So you think that's a nationwide brand? Think, oh, so. it absolutely
3: is, yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen it around.
2: It's in Oregon?
3: It's in Oregon, yeah. but it's. Um, and by the way, if you're interested in frozen custard, they have a sea salt and honeycomb toffee. I don't
2: want that. No, I don't want that. <laughs>
1: it seems more like an Audi-type comparison versus... As opposed like, to a
2: Subaru? It yeah.
1: didn't come with a roof rack but or your, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, would be like your BMW level.
2: Yeah, so Tillamook. I just thought I would talk about that. Every once in a while when you talk about something, someone writes you an email and says, I work for the Tillamook and company. What do you want?
1: Finally, we get
3: to
2: the point. That's... <laughs> That's what I want. Again, the a big order. box of that, Jimmy Tillamook. Send us some, some ice cream. That's what I want. It just yeah. was an odd name, and I—I I mean, because it was Oregon, and because of Bell's Up, and because of Duska Jensen, you know, I mean, I was yeah. attuned to that because of Willamette. Damn it! By, by the way,
3: this might be my favorite flavor name: Malted Moo
2: Shake. Malted Moo Shake. Yeah, yeah. That's that borders on Ben and Jerry to me.
3: Yeah. Well, it could. Just a nice
2: name. But though. Mudslide didn't. It mudslide. when I saw what it was, yeah. and it was their number one, and and. I mean, they did not have, at Fresh Market in Delaware, they did not have 11 or 12 right, Tillamooks. I, I want to
1: your sleep, two. I wanna get to your sleeper picks. Got season right now. <laughs> I, don't, I
2: don't know. Yeah, we got to go. wild cards. Yeah, in the, um, yeah, in the fantasy, in, in, you know, ice cream fantasy draft. The snake draft for Tillamooks. Yeah, so. All right, let's get out of here. Sands will join us when we return. He's he's either on his way to Wilmington, Delaware, or he's in Wilmington, Delaware for the BMW. The BMW, if you remember last year, was Patrick Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau at Caves Valley, and it was one of the greatest tournaments you could ever watch on television. They didn't miss from inside 15 feet. Cantlay didn't miss inside
1: 40 feet. Cantlay's got some strong opinions about the architecture this week.
2: You know, so. All right, we'll be back. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
5: to the Tony Kornheiser show.
4: This is
2: Al Barnes. Al Barnes writes. I'm a big fan of Mr. Kornheiser. As I've been watching and listening to him since I was in high school. My name is Al Barnes. I'm a professional musician in San Diego. I want to submit a few of my folksy punky acoustic songs for a potential jingle on Tony's show. I own 200% of my music. Both the writers and the publishers share. <laughs> That's good. This is called San Diego. It is an echo of Dan Byrne, is it not? It does have that feel to it. It's an echo of Dan Byrne. Yes. quite good. And this plays in Steve Sands. And not just before we get to Sands, we have something from Pastor Scott Bach Hansen. is a friend of Sands from high school. My last email, dated May 14th of this year, shared the story of my high school friend Steve Sands, Sandsy being a great place kicker back in the day. I enjoyed hearing my email read on the show and the fun that has brought everyone. What I was not prepared for was the onslaught of emails and texts from friends past and present that came in sharing that I was now part of their David Aldridge moment. That was all very nice, but something strange happened recently. After one of our recent church services in which I preached the sermon, I stood outside the sanctuary thanking people for coming to the worship service when someone I had not met before approached with a wry smile on his face, and he said, "La chiserie. And proceeded to walk away. (laughs) Needless to say, I was caught off guard, and he only shared that he was a little that lived in the area, and he walked out the door. Was this DG? I'm not sure who this gentleman was, but it was great to meet a fellow little. And also, he says, P.S., the Whopper meal with medium fries and soda at the Burger King in Herndon, Virginia, is $10.30. And he attaches the receipt. We'll get to Burger King later (laughs) on how they have to to make this up to me. Sands, that's your boy, right? Scott Backhansen, it's your boy.
5: Scott Buckhead, it's amazing. Like I said last time when you read the first email, uh, thank you, Scott. It's great to uh, kind of pseudo be in touch with you. And by the way, you are the closest I will ever come to church in my life, uh, just <laughs> being associated with you. Um, you know, La Chisery is something that's all giving, Tony. It's amazing how many places you go, and how many people you see, and how many times you hear that phrase. I heard it a bunch of times last week in Memphis, but for Scott to give a sermon and then have somebody say that to him in church, that's, I don't know if that's concerning or if that's a positive thing.
2: I think it's a positive thing. I think it's a positive <laughs> thing. You're in Wilmington, by way, Delaware. By, the way, can
5: we, by the way, can we just, can we make something clear? Yeah. i a wide receiver and a cornerback in high school, man. I only kicked because I played soccer as a kid before football. And the coach, Coach George, made me kick field goals and extra points and And kickoffs, man, you you can't be known as just a kicker, can you?
2: Yeah, you're a tough guy. You're a tough guy. You're a football player. You don't stand up and scream, I kick a touchdown. You don't do that. You're a player.
5: I love it. I love it.
2: All right. So you're in Wilmington. The BMW this year was in Caves Valley last year. Fantastic, as I said before. Patrick Canley and Bryson DeChambeau, only one of them will be in it this year. Uh, This year it's in Wilmington. Have you played Wilmington? There are two courses. Have you played either?
5: I have. Um I actually played here a good, long time right? ago. Uh good. very good. A very, very good golf course. By the way, Tony, a little shout out to uh to Val Sands. We were married in Wilmington, Delaware. How about that? Really? I married a Newark, Delaware girl, Val Sands. She was Val Davis. And right. uh it's good to be back here in Wilmington <laughs> twenty five years ago. <laughs> Uh, it was a little bit different. Well, what about
2: wasn't... your other wife, Vicky, that the president talks about all the time?
5: Yeah. You know what's funny? is he. <sighs> there's a rumor that he's going to be coming here, uh, Joe Biden. Well, it's, he what, he belongs. What's that?
2: He belongs to Wilmington. He's a member of Wilmington. I'm pretty sure. He's a member of
5: Wilmington. He's all about Delaware. He's a member of Wilmington Country Club, the whole thing. And, you know, if his schedule fits, he's going to uh, probably be here either Thursday or Friday from what we hear. And uh, if I get a chance to go up to him and say hello, I'm absolutely going to remind him that I married Val and not Vicky's hand.
2: It's <laughs> so wonderful. All right, let's get, the, let's get to the nitty-gritty of some things here. What happened with Cam Smith over the weekend, and what is his circumstance now? There's a lot of layers to this. What happened with him?
5: Well, it sounds like his wallet hurt his hip and that's why he wasn't able to play this week here at the BMW. You know, look, he had a couple things, crazy things happened to him last week. First and foremost, there's no conspiracy. Forget the conspiracy. It was a rules violation, and Cam saw it on Sunday morning and 100% admitted it with zero contentiousness and knew exactly that it was going to be a two-shot penalty once he saw uh, that he took an illegal drop on the fourth hole on Saturday. The problem with what happened last weekend is that Cam Smith is the players' champions, the open champion. He's the betting favorite coming into the weekend, and he was two shots back heading into Sunday. Two-shot penalty knocked him down to four shots back, but he had already signed his card on Saturday, Tony. He had already finished his third round, and right. for him to be told that the following day by the rules officials, Paul, you'd like to think that the PGA Tour would have some type of rule that says, once your scorecard is signed uh, or once the day is complete or before the next round begins something to to avoid that type of situation, that was a tough spot. But it was the correct ruling and it was the correct penalty, and he took it like a man. So there is no conspiracy there. It just was a shame that it happened.
2: Okay, because one of the questions I had written down was, doesn't it seem punitive Considering that Cam Smith is reported to be headed for the Saudi tour, I jump to that same conclusion that you're telling me is wrong, but it would seem that way. No?
5: Oh man, it's it's tough, Tony. I mean, like, there's there's so much going on with Cam Smith. Did you see what he said at the beginning of the week when he was asked by the writers about going to live golf? And you know, it's been a tough week for him. Uh, as far as dealing with the media as far as that's concerned. And that's his own doing. That's not the media's fault. i am never blaming the media for that. But, you know, look, there are a lot of people who feel, and I'd love to know what Michael thinks of this someday, Um, a lot of people feel like rules on the PGA Tour should be bifurcated from the rules that we play, that when we play, things should be a little different than when they play, just like in college football or in college basketball versus the NBA and the NFL. The, the rules of the game, Tony, are like the umbrella that sits over the sport. But depending on the level, one foot inbounds in college, not two. The hash marks right. are way wider in college right. football, so the formations and the throws are different. In the NBA, the, the arc is beyond where the college three-pointer is. It's still a three-pointer. It is a little bit different And in the NBA than it is in college basketball. And I, I feel like there's a little momentum, especially after what happened last week with Cam Smith, Tony, uh, from the PGA Tour players to perhaps alter the way they do, not the rules of the game, but the way they implement them on the PGA Tour. You've got gambling, you've got television, you've got high stakes. There's a lot going on on the PGA Tour that, say, you and I wouldn't have to deal with if we were going to play Columbia one day.
2: Okay. All right. Um, I know that Cam Smith dropped out of the BMW. I thought he yeah. dropped out of the whole thing. But I'm wrong about that. He didn't drop out of the whole thing, and he's rated highly enough that he will get to East Lake. Do we assume that he will be in East Lake no matter what?
5: Oh yeah. If he, if he would have won this week, he would have been number one uh, going into next week, and that matters because of that staggered start. You know, you start at ten that. under, then there's nine under. Oh, the that. worst. It's, hate it's it. awful. Hate it. awful. Hate it. I hate it. It's terrible. Uh, I totally agree with you. So, you know, I think he wanted to get a, a week off in between uh, a busy stretch for him. Uh I also think that he perhaps you know didn't feel like handling the heat one more time uh from the writers who were definitely going to ask him whether or not he's going to live uh the day after the FedEx Cup is done uh a week from sunday uh and you you are not eliminated from the playoffs just because you you miss one of the events he's played well enough where he's earned okay. the right to be able to do this, but he is going to lose a spot or two depending on how things play out this week, so he will be three or four or five shots back going into that first round on Thursday at East Lake next week. But, you know, for him, I think if he plays well next week, plays well enough, he thinks he's going to win it anyway.
2: Um, so I, I did see a little back and forth where he's asked, is he going? And he says, I'm not here to talk about that now. I'm here to play this. Don't ask right. me about that. It, it was it was much like the odious Brooks Koepka and, and the non-denial denial. I mean, do you think he will go when it's over?
5: Yes. I think Cam's gone. I think uh, I think Cam uh, will go to live. Uh, he will take a pile of money, Tony. A, yeah. Just yeah. a rake in a pile of money and go. Now he's 28 years of age, Tony. Let's say they pull the ripcord on this thing in a couple of years. It's nice to have all that money. I'm not, I'm not arguing with that. But he's going to make around 30 million dollars this year. So. You know, he could probably continue to be on this pace at such a young age with such, you know, promise, and his game is so good. I mean, it is so good. And he's closed the deal at the Century of Lua and a larger step forward at the players than a much larger step forward at the Open Championship last month. And to me, he's on the rise. And to just give up your PGA Tour status at this point, in his career at his age it's a real shame that he's doing
2: that yeah i mean i i always look at where you're born and where you grow up and yep. i never think that anybody is born and raised outside the united states of america i i don't begrudge them going because i don't think they want to play the pga tour as much as they want to play and win the majors i just i think it's a little bit different and it's always the american players that i wonder about which leads me to this what happened with tiger Tiger took the jet up to Wilmington and addressed the yeah. troops like he was George Washington at Valley Forge. What happened?
5: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he just heard that Capriottis makes a really good sandwich and he wanted to come up here to Wilmington. <laughs> I, I, I think it's great, Tony. I find it refreshing um, that, that Tiger has taken uh, this so seriously and that he is, you know, really sharing his thoughts and his ideas, not only with the tour, not only with the players, but also with the public. You know, he was pretty open at St. Andrews uh, when he was asked questions about it. And, you know, Tiger, early in his career, you know, took that route of, you know, neutrality when it came to political discussion or things outside of the sport, you know, when you're as great as he is, that you're going to be asked week in, week out. And this time he's not being neutral. You know, this time he's being strong and he understands. I've told you this before. I've never been around an athlete who understood his stature in the game more at the time he was playing than Tiger did when he was the best in the world. Number one, everybody looked up to him. Everybody wanted to be like him. And now that his greatness is no longer there on the golf course, he is pushing forward off the golf course to ensure that how he became so great, work ethic, grinding it, digging it out of the dirt, as he said, quote-unquote, and going to the PGA Tour, and having the platform that the tour allows these players to then go out and be great. I, I think it's cool that he is, you know, taking these younger guys and said, listen, here's what I think, here's what I know, and here's what I'm espousing. And I, I think it's interesting uh, that he's decided to do that, and in a public way. And I think that's great, especially the better you are, the more stature you have in sports, Tony, the louder your platform You know, you have that bully pulpit. Use it every once in a while if you feel like it's important enough. And right now, Tiger feels like this time in the game, this time between Liv and the PGA Tour, is absolutely, in his estimation, important enough to speak up.
2: I'm going to go devil's advocate for a second. I'm going to go to the other side. If I'm a young player and I look at Tiger Woods as much as I love and respect him, I think, well, he's doing this to protect his records. He wants there to be one tour, one set of records. It's like if there was a second baseball league and somebody hit 751 home runs, you go, whoa, what happened to Babe Ruth? So he doesn't want that to happen. Does he, in fact, and I know they love him, and I know they admire him, but will they listen to him?
5: Great question. Uh, So far they have, and I'm not sure that they are not going because of what he's saying. And I'm talking about... Scotty Scheffler, Wills Zalatoris, John Rom, Kyle Amorakal, Rory yeah. McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, um, Justin Thomas, you know, those guys, Ricky Fowler, you know, those young, famous, great players. Ricky's trying to get back into that greatness category. Um, and are they going to listen to Tiger? I think they're going to listen, to and Patrick Canley as well. They're going to listen to Tiger, uh, Tony, but if they're handed a pile of cash and take it, That doesn't mean they're just disregarding what Tiger is saying. I don't think he's trying to protect his records either. I think what he's trying to do is give these guys an understanding of what legacy means. And Tiger's legacy, 15 major championships. He's won the career Grand Slam. But he's also won 82 PGA Tour events. And without those PGA Tour events, the majors, the commercial, the the sponsorships, the foundation, he's, he's, he's um, founded with his father and now is you know more than 25 years old and has raised millions and millions of dollars for kids in education. That platform the PGA Tour provides, in his estimation, is the route to go. And I don't think he looks at it as dirty money. I don't think he looks at it as any other thing other than this is a competitive issue. And I don't mean between Liv and the PGA Tour. Tiger feels as if and he's a big sports fan like we are, Tony, but he's also a golfer. Golf is structured structured differently than the team sports. The team sports, you get your guaranteed money, and then you perform because you've already signed that contract that's That's guaranteed. In golf, you've got to go earn it, and that's a competitive thing with Tiger, and he doesn't feel as if these guys are going to remain as competitive if they already have the money in the bank. You've got to go earn it because that's the way this game has always been structured. So I don't think it's a records thing. I think it's a legacy thing a work ethic thing, and a competitive thing, which I
2: got. Okay. That's good. That's good to know. I'll get you out of here on this. Patrick Reed, who has won the Masters, and Patrick Reed, who has left the PGA Tour for the Saudi Tour, has filed a $750 million lawsuit against Brando Chamblee and the Golf Channel and maybe others. I sat here at the beginning of the show and I said, There's, it's inconceivable he can win this. He's too famous a guy. He's not going to win this. He hasn't been libeled. He hasn't been slandered. What, what are you hearing about this when you have these chats? You work for the Golf Channel. What are you hearing about this?
5: Well, journalistically, I mean, I, I'm not nearly as accomplished journalist as you, uh, but journalistically, Tony, I mean, what are we talking about here? What would Brian Arapko say about this right here? <laughs> I mean, it's Jesse, just what, come on. Wait, what are we even what, doing what are we, out here, man? What, what, are we, what are we doing out here, man? I mean, first of all, while he was supposedly being slandered and defamed, he earned tens of millions of dollars on and off the golf course and won the Masters. So I, just... I think it's a hard argument to make, uh, it seems like to me. I am not a lawyer. I'm not even a doctor like you, Tony. But I cannot imagine that there's any leg to stand on here as far as what Patrick is trying to accomplish. And by the way, $750 million. How does that work? Like, what are we talking about here?
2: It's just so much money. I mean, did, did, <laughs> if he's saying <laughs> realistically, I'm going to earn this much money in my career and you cost me this m- stop it. Get out of here. Tony, when you, Get when, you out of col- here.
5: when you wrote columns in the Post, when you were on Monday Night Football, on, on PTI, yeah. your, your radio shows, your podcasts, me being on television, Brandon Chamblee being on television, whatever the forum is, whatever the outlet is, part of being a professional athlete is being criticized and of course part of being criticized is the the writer in your case the broadcaster in my case the former golfer slash broadcaster in brandle's case is that there's a there's a depth of knowledge there that allows brandle to give his opinion and his opinion i would think could not be libelous or or in a defamation suit uh be found guilty of that i just can't imagine that taking place to your point patrick is an extremely famous professional golfer. I cannot imagine this has any, uh, any credence to it. But, again, I'm not a lawyer. Who knows uh, what will happen in the course? But I would be stunned if this went through all the way to the end and, and it went in Patrick's favor.
2: Me, too. Thanks. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week before Eastlake. Thanks so much.
5: You got it, Tony. Take care.
2: Steve Sands, boys and girls. We will come back. Charlie Steiner. We're not even waking him up because for those of you who don't know, we're doing the show sort of around noon and one o'clock Eastern time today so that Charlie can be on the show. Uh, Charlie Stein. And when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: This episode is brought to
2: you by Progressive Insurance.
5: Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by
0: state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: Once again, this is Al Barnes. You can reach him at albarnsdude at bandcamp.com. This is called California Punched Me in the Eye. It's Again, it's got the echo of Dan Byrne. Yeah, really does. It's got like Harry Nilsson and Dan Byrne to it. It's, yes. it's really cool. Michael, if people like Al
1: Barnes want to... Send in their original music. How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at Tony Show.com. So we've accommodated...
2: I have two friends in California who always say, well, why don't you put me on the podcast? And I say, well, I don't really want to wake you up. Because we'd start usually at 7.30 in the morning in the East. That's 4.30 your time. Al Michaels, who always says, no, no, wake me up. And I go, no, and Charlie Steiner. But we decided to do the podcast a little bit late today. Not just for Charlie, but it's a, a great corollary benefit. That we can get Charlie on, and we don't have to wake him up, and he can tell us later about his dinner last night with Jared Levine. But I, I will start by saying this, that Charlie is one of the great Malvern mules of all time. There's Charlie, there's Wandy Williams, there's Jody Forstad. Uh and Malvern was um, a rival of sorts of Hewlett High School. It's odd, I spent my whole life living in Lindbrook, but I went to the... Malvern schools at first, and then moved across town and went to the Hewlett schools after that. And so, I mean, I'm familiar with everything that Charlie grew up with and Merleys and all of that, as Charlie is familiar with my stuff. I was, well, I'm going to just vamp for a while, Charlie. I was watching the Derek Jeter thing, which I think's really good. I think the captain is really good. I like it better than the Jordan one. And in the first or second episode, Derek Jeter, now a man in his 40s, says, when I was a kid, when I was five or six or seven years old, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be shortstop of the Yankees. Now, if you'd grown up in New York, that'd be one thing. He grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He knew I want to be shortstop of the Yankees. What are the odds? The odds are 100 million to one, at least. Charlie Steiner wanted to be the Dodgers broadcaster. How old were you when you identified that that is exactly what you wanted to be?
6: The first time I listened to a Dodger game, I was probably five years old. So that's probably Uh, 1955-ish. And I listened and I listened and I said, wow. And then about six months later, my mom explained to me, that's what he does for a living. I went, really? And from that point on, when I was five, six, seven years old, I always wanted to be the Dodger announcer. The problem was they moved when I was eight. Right. And that was, that was a career blast right out of the shoot. But that was always what I wanted to be. He was the guy that I wanted to be like. And, you know, 55 years later, um, I'm doing it. And it's, uh, it's, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey.
2: I I, want to underline this a little bit, because people who have listened to the show over the years know that I've told this story before. That I was fortunate enough to go to the Bruce Springsteen show on Broadway, and at the beginning of the show, Bruce Springsteen says, you know, 10 minutes in, whenever it is, he says, look, I I watched Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan show, and I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be a rock and roll singer. That is not as specific as Charlie's wanting to be the Dodger broadcaster. I knew at a very young age, I was 8, nine, ten years old, no older than that. I knew I wanted to be a newspaper sports writer. But I didn't know that I wanted to do it at the New York Times or the L.A. Times, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just knew I wanted to be a newspaper sports writer. The specificity of yours is amazing. The odds against this are amazing. And you did this. Do you ever think about it in in those sheer terms that you've accomplished something that is impossible to accomplish?
6: There's truly not a day that goes by where I don't pinch myself in in some manner. Uh, And that sounds like a bunch of hooey, but it's absolutely the truth. Um, Again, I was blessed with a reasonably decent voice I was always enamored by the sound coming out of the radio or the television. And and then I started on this, this incredible journey that, that began announcing the school uh, meetings after, after school every day. In the morning, I'd go to the principal's office, and my voice would go through uh, junior high school and high school. So I, I knew what I wanted to do, and damned if it didn't happen.
2: So, but you also have this wonderful career. You have a wonderful career at ESPN. We were just reminiscing here about Follow Me to Freedom and all those commercials you did. So now you're at ESPN, but you're not broadcasting the Dodgers. People would say, Charlie, you have this great job. You're doing all these things, but you're not broadcasting the Dodgers. So every night when you went to bed, was there a party that said, this is good, but I want that other thing?
6: And that was exactly how it evolved. So I get to ESPN, and uh, about five years, I suppose, after I got there, they got the uh, MLB uh, yeah. contract, and then I started to do what they called the B Games that went into the uh, the markets where it, it was blacked out. So essentially I was talking to myself uh, for a year <laughs> or two. But, but I learned, and it was fine. And then, again, serendipity steps in, and then they get the uh, – radio contract, ESPN radio, and I did that for four years at a time when uh, you had McGuire and Sosa, and Bonds, and 2001 and all that that en- uh, 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 encompassed. And then, uh, then the Yankees came, and, uh, and the Giants, as a matter of fact, and offered me a job beginning 2002. My dad wasn't doing well. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll go work for the Yankees. He can listen to me toward uh, the end of his life, which thankfully he did. And then three years later, at the end of my deal with the Yankees, serendipity once again uh, comes calling. And the Dodgers have, a, have an opening in their radio booth. Um, would I be interested? Uh, I did not enhance my negotiating posture when I said, <laughs> FNA, Bubba. LAUGHTER yeah, and 18 yeah. years later, I'm still doing it. So yeah, I've just been lucky. I, again, if I went somewhere other than ESPN or ESPN, never got the baseball contract. Um, so hell, I you know the first 20 years of my career was basically doing news. I was a news director, and yeah, and, and, but and in those days. There weren't that many job opportunities, so you just got yourself on the air and tried to be as good as you could be, and hope that the next best gig might come along. Kit did, it eventually.
2: It's—I mean, it's—it's a, it's a cliched phrase, but in your case, it's true. You are living the dream. You actually are. There aren't five people in the world that are doing this. You know, I mean, it took—it took a long time, but. You actually do what you set out to do.
6: I can't tell you how lucky I am. And Vin would always say that in those great moments of all those wonderful games he broadcast for 67 years, when he heard the sound of the crowd, he transformed back to being the eight-year-old kid that he first listened to college football on a radio in New York. And he heard the crowd, and that just energized him in a way that he was never able to equal. And then all those years later, it's the same, it was the same thing for Ben. In those big moments where the crowd is going crazy, he felt like he was that eight-year-old kid again. And I do pretty near every night.
2: You wrote a lovely piece about Finn Scully that Bonnie sent to me, and it was really lovely. He called you, right? When you began to broadcast, he called you to welcome you?
6: It was before I even began to broadcast. I was um, just about ready to uh, sign with the Dodgers. And my mom was 94. Uh, she lost her husband, my dad, six months earlier. In, and so she didn't know what her kid was going to do next. So I I get the deal, and I said, Mom, I'm coming out. And, again, this is the house in which I grew up where I listened to Vin, and I turned the sound down and and, and broadcast Dodger games to an audience of two, my mom and my dad, and they had uh, four fingers in their ears. Um, (laughs) But that that was fine. So I'm explaining to her, Mom, you remember the team I rooted for? Oh, the Brooklyn Dodgers. you remember – where Pop took me to for my first big league game, Ebbets Field. Do you remember the announcer I wanted to be like? And she kind of, and I said, Vince. Scully. And she said, oh, good. When do we move to Los Angeles? Uh, <laughs> she, and she came out and lived her last two years in assisted living out here, got to listen to me. So now all of this is going on. And, I, and it's a it's an emotional day. It's a, a an occupational day. It's a it's a sentimental day. It, it, it's it's just an Im- incredibly important day. And then the phone rings, and it's a three two three area code. And I pick it up. Hello, Charlie. It's Vin. I said, Mom, I believe I need to take this call. Um, <laughs> and. And he, and he said, I just want to welcome you to the Dodger family. Now, here is Vin Scully, the, the king of our industry. And I, I've been describing, describing him for years. He's he a favorite. He's calling me, welcoming me to the Dodger family. His voice in my house 55 years earlier was on all the time. And now his voice is in my ear. It was to me, as I look back on it, you ask about chills and pinching myself, that day is—it's the one day I don't think I will ever forget.
2: You used to talk about how much fun it was to have dinner with Vin Scully, right? I mean, it's because it's Vin Scully for God's sakes. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I play golf with the Pope, yeah, once every Sunday. You know, sure, we did, we played, but what's the big deal to you? You know, so I mean, but it was—you'd have this dinner all the time,
6: right? It. There were four of us. Vin, the late Billy DeLurie, who came out uh, from Brooklyn with the Dodgers, Rick Monday and I, forums every night, um, because we worked together and, and our schedules were such that we would yeah. eat about 5, 5.15 and it would go till 6, 6.15 until it was time for Vin to get up and call Sandy, his wife. And so... Just doing the numbers, and we ate a fair amount on the road when Vin was still traveling, yeah it was over probably well over a thousand dinners just doing the math and it was you know what it was It was just four guys just talking about life stuff, music, politics, broadway and and dodgers too um but it was it was four guys just having dinner every night and you know looking back on it. Um, I, I, I felt like Jimmy Reese. You remember Babe Ruth's old teammate was hitting fungos at the age of 80 and he was yes, best known for yes. being, I felt like yes, Jimmy Reese. Yes. I, was, I was, I was, you know, carrying his yeah. water it was fine. I, I learned so much.
2: There is, um, I've, I've written this and said this a number of times, uh, that when I was a young sports writer, I got the opportunity that I think I'm the only person had. I worked on the same staff with Red Smith, and then I worked on the same staff with Shirley Povich. I don't think there's anyone like that who has worked with both those guys. And I used to say disparagingly, You know, And they said I couldn't even carry their typewriters. But in fact, I did. I carried Red's typewriter up to Yankee Stadium. And I carried Shirley's typewriter up to Memorial Stadium. And even though that's somewhat self-deprecating, and you appreciate this because of your time with Scully, I am honored and thrilled by the memory of that, that I literally carried their typewriters, which I would have done up Mount Everest if they asked me. Right? There's nothing you wouldn't have done if Vin asked you to do it. Right?
6: That's exactly right. I totally relate uh, to what, what you say, because, again, I think we were of a generation where we truly respected our elders and those who blazed a path for us to do what we do, and we aspired to be almost as good as they were. And so if it meant carrying a a, a typewriter into the booth or into the press box or me doing whatever was needed to facilitate. Then I learned from the experience every day. Oh, no, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. All right. The Dodgers are really good. I've got so few questions about the Dodgers because they're really good. But I am curious about this. You got Freddie Freeman now for the first time ever outside of Atlanta. I, I respect Freddie Freeman so much. He, he's the Nats killer. He beat them so often, more than anyone else. And yet everyone, when they stop at first base and Freddie Freeman is there, they have these conversations. Do you know him at all? Is he as worthy as he appears to be?
6: I don't pretend to know him well. I know him as well as a, a broadcaster can know a player from afar. We've chatted some. He, he's charming. Yeah. Uh, he's very bright. And, he is, and and to watch him play every day, he's just a great baseball player. There's nothing he doesn't do well. He can steal bases. I think he's stolen eight out of nine, whatever it is. It seems like he has a hit every day um, defensively. He, I mean, he's just a great, great player. And, and And that's the one thing about the Dodgers in general, Tony, about the success they've had. I mean, they're 45 games over 500, and, 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 and that is with a closer that has, you know, a wobbly wheel at the moment. Um, but they are so solid, and, and, and the, the thing that sets this Dodger team apart from most of them is that it seems like a very good group where there are no head cases down there. It's really nice. They just go play baseball every day, and they play pretty damn well.
2: Uh, I think they're awfully good. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. Everybody knows the Aloha Tower calendar story. You went to describe your dinner last night and what you did with the Aloha Tower calendar, which is in your possession now, but has to come back to me at some point. (laughs) Go ahead.
6: Yes. Most folks seem to think the Aloha Tower thing that we have is like the Stanley Cup. Well, it's, it stands about five inches <laughs> high, and it's about three inches wide. And, it, and on the back yeah. of this little uh, thermometer uh, is a calendar. And it was May 1967. May sixty seven. <laughs> May 19. I, you, know, yeah. you were out of high school. I was in my senior year. And there it was. And, and, and you know far yeah. better how it, it ended up in your hands originally. So it has become this thing over the years. And and and, and uh, I, before I get to Jared at, at the at the uh, All Star game, Mark Feinstein is one of your frequent guests. Uh, we're talking, yes. and he em. asked me Love about em. the Aloha Tower, and I said, "Well, wait a minute. <laughs> I have a picture of it in my phone." So I take the phone out. He looks at it, and he had like tears in his eyes. It was a it was an Indiana Jones moment <laughs> for him. So, Jared, who represents you and has for years and is a mutual friend of yep. ours, we yep. had dinner last night. And, I, and when you called, I said, you by coincidence, I'm having dinner uh, tonight with Jared. And uh, he said, you say hi. And I said, well, why don't I bring the Aloha Tower, uh, th- 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 this godlike thing, to dinner? So it's, I have it in an envelope. And I said, well, now open it up. And, 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 and his eyes are aglaze. It was this, this wonderful <laughs> moment. And, and, and we had to towel him down and get him another drink. Um, but it, 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 <sighs> Aloha. And, and how many years did it take for us to realize that a Chinese restaurant was named Aloha?
2: It's in a Hawaiian word. It has nothing to do with China at all. Nothing, zero. No,
6: but it's the Aloha tower. And plus, tower, it's also a lower tower. restaurant of our youth.
2: Yes, it was and it's it's not a towers which everybody thinks it is. No, it's a lower tower. You know, and it, and it was not exist populated. anymore. But it... uh, no, no, it was great Sunday nights. Every Sunday <laughs> yes, night, it was just so great.
6: Because so great. Jewish mothers, uh, it was in the constitution. Jewish mothers were not to cook on Sundays, so no, they took they their to families to the Aloha tower, and there it was. so that, it, and there it is. yeah, and
2: it was really good, and it was in, it was in Lindbrook, it was on the yeah. Charlie side of Lindbrook, the Malvin side of Lynbrook. Yes. whereas in my high school, Hewlett High School, there was the the equivalent was the bamboo Inn, and the only night the bamboo inn was closed was Yom Kippur, when nobody <laughs> went out <laughs> Right, Charlie? That's the only night that Lenny Wong and his family, they closed for Yom Kippur. Charlie, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Talk soon, I hope.
6: Bye. Anytime, my friend.
2: Charlie Steiner, boys and girls. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
0: Selling a little or a lot. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/slash Odyssey Podcast.
5: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: Such a thrill, the Missouri marching band actually doing the mailbag jingle. Such a thrill. Back to school. Do you want to do the Bethesda bagels, ad? Yes, we got the bagel sandwiches today. Very happy Fantastic. about Fantastic. Bethesda bagels.
3: All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in,
2: and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, some people like to stay out late. Some folks can't hold out that long, but nobody wants to go home now. There's too much going on. This night is going to last forever. Last all, last all summer long. Sometime before the sun comes up, the radio is going to play that song. That's the Eagles. That's a Don Henley lead. That's really a great song. Really is. Heartache, it's, you know, heartache Tonight yeah. is really good. Thanks to our guests today, Steve Sands and Charlie Steiner. Thanks to today's sponsors, Shopify, ZipRecruiter, Electric, eBike. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. You get show through Apple. Please leave us a review. So I've got some emails here. This is about the Summer Littles from Bob Walsh in Wethersfield, Connecticut. Not a submission for the mailbag. Well, yes, it is. I just wanted to point you to the summeroflittles.com and the album for this past weekend, Summer of Littles 4, to once again show in pictures the breadth and reach of the show. Thanks for your support in this endeavor. I think there's a large group of littles who are not active on social media and only hear about this event when you announce it on the podcast. The website always has an uptick in traffic when you read the emails, and there were a substantial number of participants this year whose names I did not recognize from social media. Hope you'll be tickled as I am when I tell you that this year's folks plan their vacations around visiting Ed Butts Michigan venue. Lee Gordon said it best, finally August has a holiday, and Dina from Damascus's Twitter comment on the event is also worth repeating, since otherwise you'd never see it. It's not listening to a podcast and commenting on it. It's a community where i met some of the people I now consider my best friends, which is lovely to hear. I mean, that's just lovely to hear, honestly. Um, This is from Peter McNamara. I was recently listening to your podcast, when you mentioned an unpleasant experience at Burger King with ordering their Whopper meal. As a member of Roy Rogers' marketing team, it was music to my ears. I'm a native DMV resident. Sports fans have been listening and watching Mr. Kornheiser for 27 years. I could not pass up an opportunity to promote my company whilst restoring his faith in fast food. As a company founded on quality food at quality prices, you will not walk away disappointed. If possible, I would greatly enjoy sending over complimentary sandwich cards so that you can test out any of our delicious burger sandwiches, or meals so that your next visit to a fast food establishment is exceptional. P.S. My brother is a member of Columbia, but refuses to bring me as a guest because I'm a hack. Maybe one day I'll see you on the course struggling to get out of the bunker. That's P.J. McNamara, and yes... Now I used to. Do you to, think they still have the
1: condiment bar?
2: I yeah. I used to really like Roy Rogers because you go get pickles. Yeah. You could yeah. put as many. I used to eat the roast beef sandwich all the time. Yeah, it was good. And oh. then then I thought McDonald's bought Roy Rogers and closed Roy well, Rogers. The,
1: the, the ones immediately close to us on River Road and right here at Four Thousand Wisconsin. Do you remember the holster fries? Yes. Oh yeah. So yeah. I was
2: a big fan of Roy Rogers. Well, so this is this makes me very okay. happy. Yeah, we'll talk to him. And from Eric Pew. I hope you remember me from our Christmas Eve round at Oldfield this past year. Michael, you remember well. Oh, yeah. We discussed many things, including how many holes in one are made each day and how bad the traffic is on 95 in Fredericksburg. <laughs> and of course, you were impressed that I routinely outdrove Michael, even though I used driver and Michael used a four iron. Little should be aware that you're a better golfer than you portray to be, but you do suck in the bunkers. I'm writing you about two personal experiences that I had with Bill Russell that validated his greatness. The first was at Game 2 of the 1983 NBA Finals in Philadelphia. I was a high school senior and the biggest Dr. J fan in the world. We arrived at the game early, and back then it was easy to move around as security was not what it is now. I saw Bill Russell on the floor, so my group and I wandered down to see him. I heard him say to others that I'm sorry I don't sign autographs. My group wanted to leave, but I approached Mr. Russell. He said to me, I'm sorry, son, I don't sign autographs. I said, that's okay. I just wanted to shake your hand. He shook my hand and his fingers nearly reached my elbow. He then pulled me aside and we sat courtside and had a personal conversation for what was probably about five minutes. He asked me about many things, including college and what I wanted to do with my life. Of course, I was in awe, but I did say that I grew up hating the Celtics and he responded with his classic laugh. What an experience for a high school senior. Fast forward 20 years, I'm working in Boston as a human resources executive. The firm that I worked for sponsored a diversity and inclusion event and I was seated at the same table as Mr. Russell, who was the keynote speaker. After the luncheon, I waited for the crowd to disperse. I approached Mr. Russell and asked to shake his hand for a second time. He looked at me, and I relayed the story from 1983. Again, I got the big laugh, and this time we talked for 15 minutes. I can't remember much about that conversation, except that I walked away feeling like I was on cloud nine. He made me feel empowered and important. I'm so glad that the NBA is retiring number six. And then Eric Pugh ends the email by saying, Thank you, Tony. I hope we can play golf again, but let's not include Chan. <laughs> so we don't have inclusion and diversity because we don't have Chan. A couple of things um, on Burger King. This is from Bin Tai in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And no, I didn't think we had listeners there. <laughs> Pin him. I did not. Is there any chance some Tony somehow ordered his Whopper at the airport at Ho Chi Minh City? <laughs> No, there's not. And then he has the prices. And the prices are very high, but I don't know if they're American prices. Um, Steve Tabor, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Let me get this straight. You ate at Burger King and it wasn't even your anniversary? (laughs) That ESPN contract must be fatter than I thought. (laughs) I'm John in Sherman Oaks. Sorry you got swindled at Burger King, but the opportunity to recharge your immunity between COVID boosters for just $14 actually sounds like a bargain in the grand scheme of
1: things. Thank you, Dr. Kornheiser.
2: (laughs) From Bob Steen in Centerville, Virginia. If we are relating old scams, I'm reminded of my days as a cashier in Pennsylvania supermarket in the 60s. These were the days of manual registers. We would place a mop near the checkout aisle next to where the customer stood. Everyone paid for the mop, 29 cents. If a customer noticed the charge and protested, we said, sorry, I thought that was your mop. (laughs) That's so great. That's genius. It's 29 cents. They were probably doing 300 people a day. Yeah. Um, Mason White, teacher for students with disabilities in Sheboygan South High School. And he says, go Red Wings. Dear Dr. Tony, got the number six spicy chicken meal at Wendy's today. Large with a drink and fries. 10.33 in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Hmm. Alumnus of Warpen High School, Warpen, but it's spelled differently two different times. He has W A U P U N or W A U B U N. Was the name of the yearbook, which was the original spelling of the city, loosely translated to "dawn of the day" among the natives that lived here. No famous alumni, but Ed Gein, G E I N Gein, Ed Gein. Oh yeah. Lived in who's that? He's not a good man. He was. A, oh. I think he was a serial. Killer. Lived in Warpen for a while at the Central State Hospital for the criminally insane. Yes. <laughs> Best wishes on your Johnny Carson schedule. <laughs> You know, are we you playing Wen- the Whopper you, game you now? You a Wendy's fan? Hmm? You a Wendy's fan? I like Wendy's. Yeah, JBC Wendy's
1: spicy nuggets.
2: I, I I'm not a. I don't ever order nuggets. No, I order hamburgers or roast beef sandwiches. I never. I never order nuggets. The not chicken anywhere. sandwich
3: at Wendy's is oh, yeah. very good.
2: Um, yes. I've ordered the chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. Dip your fries in the frosty. Oh, you know. oh okay. no God, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> uh, from Alan K. Walls. Ola from Guatemala. Are we playing the Whopper game now? Whopper combo with fries and a drink in Guatemala City. Forty eight fifty, about six forty American. Q is for Quetzales, so Quetzal is the national bird. Next time you're here, I'll treat you and the crew. High school, St. Anthony Junior Senior High School in Uh, Maui in Hawaii, class of 1983, yearbook, the Brocken, a mountain in Germany in reference to Maui's Mount Haleakalala. Well, I don't know. Mascot Trojans. One more from Ron Flatter, who now is in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Ron Flatter left. He left Vegas. He's in Louisville. Fantastic. Why did you not ask for the manager when you were being gouged at Burger King? It would have been great if you found out it was the same guy who runs the water department at Rehoboth <laughs> Beach. Thank you, Ron. If you're out on your bike tonight, everybody, as always, do wear white. Charlie, come on out and get you whooping. Charlie, come on out.
7: Stop <laughs> Pacific Ocean to the west, I always like drinks, food the best in San Diego. Sunshine in every day, I feel your faint breeze kiss my face in San Diego. My life. Spring and fall, I never thought I'd love them all in San Diego, in San Diego, in San like going out, throwing back a few, and hanging with the locals at the tavern until two. But lately mine has gotten tight since moving to the state. She's replaced all my exes as my most expensive date, all my lunch, and dinner is now in doubt because I can't afford a burger the I'm getting out of the way, I'm paying bills, there's no more grills, all I can do is cry. Yeah, California punched me in the eye. Yeah, the traffic's always heavy, my apartment's wrong a leak But it's hard to keep complaining when it's sunny every day of the week So I call to tell the landlord about the leak, he needs But it always goes to voicemail before and after six When I go to work, you pay my rent, this song's my own so after paying bills there's no more thrills all I can do is cry Yeah California punched me in the eye in my eye Now I feel a in the twelfth round of a major title fight. I'm David, she's Goliath, and my punch is getting light. But my wallet's even lighter from the price of gas I pay. And now my car's in the shop from all the bottles in my way. But I go to work and pay my rent, so I'm not too yeah, being intense. So after paying bills, there's no thrills all I can Yeah, California punch me in the eye Yeah, California punch me in the eye Yeah, California punch me in the eye